how many of us love a good superhero movie? There's so many, right? There's Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and Avengers and Black Panther. I mean, they're endless. I don't mind a good super movie, my, uh, super movie, superhero movie myself sometimes. And, you know, there's superhero stuff is everywhere. And there's a bunch of books around that kind of theme. The world buys into it. And uh, my kids love it. And there's this really cute book that I've read to them a couple of times. And I want to read a little abbreviated version to you. It goes like this. There's a boy that looks quite ordinary. He looks like me or you, but in secret, he is super kid. There's nothing he can't do. Behind his glasses, x-ray eyes can spot a child in trouble. He changes in a flash and helps them on the double. So when you're having tea at auntie's, but it's all the food you hate, and auntie says, more broccoli, and piles it on your plate, super kid comes whizzing, and before your auntie sees, he eats the dreaded broccoli and the horrid mushy peas. There's a great film on TV one night that you really must not miss, but mum says, no more watching until you've tidied all of this. Then Super Kid appears, and before you can say Zoom, poor mum is almost fainting. Surely this can't be your room. So when you're with your friends at school, watch carefully what they do. You might just find Super Kid sitting next to you. <laughs> I like that story. It's so good. And my kids really wish that they had Super Kid to eat their veggies and clean their room. <laughs> but they don't. They have to do it. We're working on that. Um, but, you know, like superheroes, it is everywhere. It's something that the world buys into. You just have to go to Farmers or Kmart or a local toy store and you will see a bunch of superheroes that you can purchase that talk, that fire things. You will see costumes and masks and books and puzzles and games and um, Lego. The list is endless. Why? Because we live in a world that loves the whole superhero concept. And I was thinking about this and I thought, you know what, it wouldn't actually be that bad having Superman just hanging around behind you, watching over you as you go. Perhaps if you're in a hurry, he could just kind of fly you there. I reckon it would be quite good. But what we really need more than a superhero, we need a champion. We need a champion. We need someone to eat those mushy peas. No, we don't. We have to eat them ourselves. We need someone to stand up for us, someone to believe in us, someone that we can hold on to and trust in no matter what. So this morning, I want to talk about champions. What is a champion? Well, a champion is defined in the dictionary as a person who has defeated or surpassed all rivals in a competition, especially in sports, but we won't talk about that. Um, it's a person who fights or argues for a cause on behalf of someone else. A champion is really someone who's fighting for you, who's believing in you, and is on your side. That's what a champion is. But before we go any further, let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you that you are here this morning, and God, we just come before you, and we invite your Holy Spirit just to be so present. I pray that you'd speak to each one of us. You would speak through what I have to say. You would touch and change us in some way this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. So my question is, do you know who your champion is? Who is your champion this morning? Is it a superhero? Is it a celebrity? Is it a person that maybe has walked through life with you? Or is it the creator of the universe? 
Do you know that your champion is God himself, Jesus and the Holy Spirit? And our champion is fighting for us. He's won our victories. He's paid our debts. He's won the ultimate price. And he is walking with us. He is living in us. He's working through us. He's above us. He's behind us. He's all around us. And he is in front of us. He is our champion. Listen to Psalm 118, verse 7 to 9 in the Message Bible. It says, God's my strong champion. I flick off my enemies like flies. Far better to take refuge in God than trust in people. Far better to take refuge in God than trust in celebrities. Then verse 13 and 14 says, I was right on the cliff edge, ready to fall when God grabbed and held me. God's my strength. He's also my song. And now he's my salvation. Jesus is the only and ultimate champion. He went head to head against Satan, engaged in a battle on an old rugged cross. He fought with death for three days, rose victoriously from the grave to guarantee the final victory over the enemy of our souls. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we not only have forgiveness of sins, but we have freedom from sins. Now we have peace and we have the power of God and the presence of God with us. You know, when we're up against the wall, when we're facing tough times, when things look really, really bleak in our lives, we can claim God as our champion. I like what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 9, we may be struck down, but we are not destroyed. And 1 Corinthians 15 57 says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know who your champion is? Do you know that God is your champion? When we begin to understand that God is our champion, it changes our perspective. It changes the way we view things. You know, the battle of David and Goliath um, and the Israelites were terrified of this Philistine giant Goliath, right? And they are absolutely in fear of him. There is silence in the camp. No one's talking. And day after day, Goliath is coming out and he's taunting them and he's saying, come on, choose a man. Who's going to fight me? Who will you send? And these guys are silent until God sends David in to fight the battle. And David comes in and he has God on his side and he defeats Goliath. Goliath is dead. Well, suddenly these Israelites who'd been silent for the last 40 days, they raise a shout. There is noise in the camp. They who had fled at the sight of Goliath now pursued. They who had lost all hope were suddenly full of confidence and assurance. They defeated the Philistines, plundered their territory and possessions, and they came back victorious. They literally went from zeros to heroes. Why? Because they finally saw God was their champion and that he was fighting for them and that he defeated the enemy. And, you know, I just wonder, wonder what they, how that story would have played out like if they had seen God as their champion all along from the very beginning. David knew God as his champion. He knew that when he fought the lion and the bear those years ago when he was looking out for the sheep. He knew that through encounters he had had with God and worship and playing his harp. And that is how he could come against Goliath and defeat him. And that is how he came against every other struggle and battle throughout his lifetime because he knew that God was his champion. When we understand that God's our champion, we too can walk with confidence and assurance, just like David did. We can walk with faith. 
Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. But it's not enough to simply understand that God's our champion. We have to get it from here to here. You know, we have to believe it. We have to think about it. We have to read it. We have to meditate on it. It has to go from our heads to our hearts and to our spirits. We need to understand that Oh, no, that's not right. (laughs) Someone once said, this is a great quote, I don't want to miss it. Someone once said, self-confidence has limited potential, but God-confidence has unlimited possibility. Unlimited possibility. I like that. We need to understand that we fight from a position of victory. We need full confidence in the fact that God is backing us, that he's standing alongside us, and that he is cheering us on. He sees what we can't see. He knows what we don't know, and he cares even if we don't care anymore. We need to know what God says about us. And so I want to tell you, this is what our champion says to each one of us. He says, you are my child. I am your friend. I do not condemn you. You're an heir in my kingdom. You're redeemed. You're a new creation. You are free. You are blessed. You are totally and completely forgiven. I have chosen you. I'm near to you always. I give you boldness and confidence. You've been made complete in me. I love you dearly. You're an overcomer. You're a citizen of heaven. You can do all things through me, and you are my masterpiece, my greatest work of art. Wow, that is some person that God is talking about, right? He's talking about you and me. We're chosen, we're forgiven, we're set free, we're redeemed, we are conquerors, we are an heir in his kingdom, we're a citizen of heaven. He is with us and he is for us. You know, with that kind of backing, we should and can walk with confidence, assurance, and faith. And if you do want a copy of those promises that were just on the screen, I did leave some of them at the info desk. You can grab one of them on your way out. But we have to declare these words. We need to speak them out. We need to live according to them. It's actually an action that we choose to do. It's easy to know what it says, but it's hard to walk it out and live it. But we can because this is our reality. This is what God does for us. As we do this, we can live as people that are backed by the greatest of champions. We can hold our head high. We can stand a little taller and we can sing a little louder. I want to give you an example of of how this might work. You know, I've shared with you before that cooking's not my greatest strength, right? But how many of you have heard of Chelsea Winter? She's, yeah, right. So she's kind of famous in New Zealand for her cooking and her baking. Well, I was thinking about it. You know, if if she was with me and if she said to me, Jodie, we've got some guests coming tonight and I want you to prepare the meal and I know that you can do it and I'm going to be right here with you, but I want you to do it then I reckon, despite my lack of cooking strength in my life, I reckon I could do it. Because if she believes in me, if she thinks I can do it, and if she's right there to refer to if I need her, then I would go ahead and do that. You know, that's what it is like for each one of us with God. He knows what we're capable of. He can see what is in us. He knows that we can do certain things, and he is standing right there beside us every step of the way. These are not just words, they are truth. 
God sees huge potential in each one of us. He sees amazing gifts and talents in you. He sees strength. He sees a conqueror. He sees a success. With that, with that kind of backing, that's right. We can really do all things through Christ who strengthens us. John Maxwell has authored a book called 25 Ways of Winning with People, and I love that guy. He's absolutely brilliant. And anyway, um, the book was inspired by a friend of his, and they ended up co-authoring it. And his friend says to him, he says, John, you know, when you spend time with people, you make them feel like a million bucks. You've made me feel like a million bucks. And as I read that, I thought, wow, that is amazing. Imagine being that kind of person that when you spend time with people, they feel incredible. And I thought, that is something that I would love to develop in. I want to become more like that. Mark Twain says, keep away from people who try and belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that, but the really great make you feel that you too can become great. And Henry Van Dyke said, There is a loftier ambition than merely to stand high in the world. It is to stoop down and lift mankind a little higher. God is our champion, and it's an awesome thing to know that. But he calls each one of us to champion someone else, to take that championing spirit, to make someone feel like a million bucks, to bring out the best in them. You know, it makes a massive difference in your life if you have someone there that is championing you, someone that's believing in you, that's encouraging you, that's maybe pushing you a little further, drawing out that stuff that's in you. Some of us have those people in our lives, like parents or spouses or good friends, and others of us don't. But you know what? We can all be it to someone else. My mum has a statement that I really like. She says, if you don't have it, be it. And I think that is a great principle to live by. You know, we don't always have these things in our lives, but we can give it to someone else. We can be it for someone else. Helping others win is one of the greatest feelings in the world. Poet Ralph Waldo Emerson said, It's one of the most beautiful compensations of life that no man can sincerely try and help another without helping himself. As we start to champion others, we're going to feel like champions ourselves. Proverbs 11.25 says, whoever brings, out, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. You know, we see some of these people who championed others throughout the Bible. We see it in Jonathan who championed David, you know, when his own dad, King Saul, was against him. And Jonathan was that friend and that support and that encourager that David needed. And he helped push and and helped get David in position to take a hold of his destiny. And then David championed his mighty men. And I love this. He, um, you know, these men were drawn to David when he was on the run from King Saul. And these guys were the rejects. These were the leftovers. These were the guys that King Saul didn't choose for his army. And yet, because of David's championing spirit, David drew out of them this bunch of men. He made them into mighty men, like mighty men. And you can read it in the Bible. I mean, they went on to do incredible things. They were a powerful bunch of people because because David championed them and saw in them maybe what they didn't see in themselves. Moses was a champion for Joshua. He prepared and positioned him to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And then we get to Barnabas. This guy is ultimate champion in the New Testament. 
His real name was Joseph of Cyprus, and he was a Jew from the tribe of Levi. But the the apostles were so impressed with his large-hearted vision that they nicknamed him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Barnabas was not only an, an encourager, but it actually went far beyond that. He was so full of the Holy Spirit that he was able to see with God's eyes other people and then encourage them around him with what he could see. He would tell them. I like this statement by one commentary. It says, Barnabas saw God's big picture for individuals. He was a son of encouragement because he just couldn't help himself. When he looked at an ordinary Christian, he saw what they could become in the hands of their extraordinary God. Isn't that an awesome thing? And I would love to do that as well. You know, when I look at an ordinary Christian, let me be able to see what they can become in the hands of an extraordinary God. When none of the apostles wanted to particularly go near Paul, who took him under their wing? It was Barnabas. Barnabas encouraged Paul. He saw in Paul that he could be a great teacher of the word, that he would be a great elder. And, you know, this is how much of an encourager Barnabas was. When they went on their first missionary trip together, so Barnabas is very much the senior guy, and Paul is this rookie who's just got saved from having persecuted Christians, you know, to trying to convert them. Um, And yet Barnabas actually makes him the leader of the trip. He puts him as the main speaker. That's pretty big-hearted. I don't think I'd be doing that if I was a senior person and I had some rookie. I'd be like, yeah, you, you do the announcements and get me a coffee or something. You know, <laughs> this guy is, he, I mean, he was so generous-hearted um, that it actually ended up causing him and Paul to separate ways because they couldn't agree on John Mark, who had ditched them halfway through their trip, and Barnabas wanted to give him a second chance, and Paul wanted to move on to Silas, and so they actually parted ways. But what an incredible example of someone who championed others. I mean, he really championed Paul, and what a legacy he must have now as Paul went on to do incredible things for God. And then Paul himself, he went on to be a champion for others, and perhaps he learned this from Barnabas and saw the importance of that role. He championed Timothy, and later on, he championed John Mark, the same guy that him and Barnabas actually parted ways over, which is kind of interesting. So we see this in Scripture, but we also see it in life. You know, every now and then you hear a really inspirational story about someone who champions someone else. One of these beautiful stories of this championing spirit that is very old, and some of you will have probably seen it, is of the story of Team Hoyt. There's going to be a little clip in the background that you can see. Due to a tragedy at birth, Rick can't walk or talk. His parents, Dick and Judy, wanted as much of a normal life as possible for Rick, so they put him into public schools, and he learned to use a computer to communicate and express his thoughts. When he was 15, he communicated to his dad that he wanted to run a marathon. Well, Dick was no runner, but he agreed to do it for his son, and he agreed that he would push him in his wheelchair. So they went out and they began to run marathons together, and his father would push him, and Rick said for the first time in his life, he didn't feel handicapped. Together they ran and they competed in marathons. They went on to do triathlons, pushing it up a notch. And they inspire and encourage people all over the world. You know, Rick couldn't compete without his dad. And his dad wouldn't compete without Rick. Dick is the body, but Rick is the heart. 
And what an absolute champion of a father that Dick was to Rick. Isn't it incredible? I mean, he gave a huge part of his life to seeing his son fulfill his dream and champion him in it. And together they've touched people all over the world. And you know, how much more lengths has God gone to for each one of us? He sent his one and only son to champion us, to champion our salvation, our forgiveness, our redemption, our eternal life. Team Hoyt is an extreme example of someone championing someone else, but there are many other small ways that we can do this in. You can, you can let that um, die down. That's great. Sorry about the quality. It's pretty old. But it's beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful. <laughs> so another example of this that I want to share with you is um, actually my dad. He did this for me. As you know, a couple of months ago, I w- went to Fiji. And um, it was my very first time speaking overseas. So it was a bit nerve-wracking. Luckily, I had Sharon with me, um, which was amazing. And we had heaps of fun. And it was a really great trip. But Um, It was quite hard. It was harder than I expected. And um, the first session that I had, it was outdoors, and it was kind of under this gazebo, and there was this amazing dinner, and you could smell it, you could see it, so everyone is hungry. And then I had to get up and speak, like, that's just hard straight off. So... um, Anyway, that was there. And just before I went to get up, like the storm kind of blew in and the wind was howling and the rain was, was, was blowing underneath this gazebo and my hair was flying about. That was kind of my biggest concern. My hair didn't look good. Um, but, you know, like it, it was a bit of a battle, to be honest. And I did it and I came away. I didn't feel that great. And I, I went back to the hotel room and... Um, and uh, Dad had emailed me, which I was surprised because he was in the UK at the time. It was his previous trip to the UK and he was preparing for UKB. And so we were both overseas and he had emailed me and he said, oh, how did your first session go? And um, by the way, when I first got back, I had a good talk to Sam and that helped hugely. He was brilliant. Um, and I moaned and he helped me. But anyway, uh, then... <laughs> he was good. He's so great. Um, but yeah, so Dad had emailed me. So I emailed him back and I said, oh, well, look, it wasn't that great. But anyway, and he emailed me and he said, and he just said a bunch of stuff. He was really encouraging and he, he gave me some tips for my next session, which I used. And so anyway, I prepared for the next session and he'd asked me, he said, oh, let me know how it goes. So I prepared for the next session and um, thank goodness that did go quite a bit better. It wasn't outdoors for a start and it wasn't before dinner. But anyway, it went better and um, I got back and, and I emailed him and I said, oh, thanks, Dad. You know, it was way better than the first one. Appreciate your help and your tips. And I kind of expected that to be the end of it. And then he emailed me back again. And I was thinking, man, you know, he's got his own stuff that he's doing in UK. But he just encouraged me and he gave me some more tips and, you know, kind of said, hey, your last session, just go for it, be yourself, whatever. And so, you know, I really took that on board. And the last session, I just, I just tried to do my best and give it everything. And it, it went well. I was happy with it. And I came away thinking, yeah, good. You know, I finished and I ended on a good note. And um, as I was going back, I was with Sharon and we were going back to our room and we were just chatting away, and it was really nice. And then my phone rang, and I was like, oh, goodness, who would ring me in Fiji, you know? It was the first phone call I'd had 
um, from anyone outside of Sam. And, and I answered it, and it was my dad. He was in the UK, and he had rung me um, to see how it went and just to say, hey, well done, you've done it. And um, I was so surprised. I said to him, oh, Dad, you know, why are you, why are you taking the time to ring me so much and encourage me so much? And he said these words to me. He said, because I know that it's all in you, you just need someone to draw it out of you. Because I know that it's all in you. Yeah, he deserves a clap. (laughs) You just need someone to draw it out of you. And, you know, for me, that trip to Fiji was awesome. Like, it was a real uh, special time. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. The people were amazing and beautiful. But for me, that was my highlight because I guess it just showed me that that's what God does for each one of us every day. You know, he knows what's in us. He knows what we're capable of. And he is there beside us every day, drawing it out of us. He's sending people along our way to encourage us. He's whispering God thoughts into our head. He's he's sending his Holy Spirit to give us confidence. And he's praying for us. He's alongside us. And he calls us to do that for other people as well. Listen to these verses 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Hebrews 10.24, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And Romans 15.2, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. At the end of the day, what we're really talking about here is love. It's just loving others, it's building them up, it's seeing in them what they don't see in themselves and communicating that to them. In 1971, William Wilberforce was facing one more discouraging defeat in his attempt to abolish Britain's slave trade. Then he received a letter from John Wesley, and that now famous letter would prove to be a continuing source of encouragement for the rest of his life. Some of the words of that letter read this. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them stronger than God? Oh, be not weary in well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might, till even American slavery shall vanish away before it, that he who has guided you from your youth up may continue to strengthen you in this and all things. Four days after writing that letter, Wesley was dead. Once again, Wilberforce was defeated when the vote was taken in Parliament. There were so many disappointments and challenges along the way in the years ahead for Wilberforce, but every time he was tempted to give up the fight, every time he got really discouraged, he returned to Wesley's letter. And he says that each time he read it, it was like the first time. It never failed to encourage and to strengthen him. One letter, just one letter, but what an impact it had. It championed Wilberforce to ultimately prevail and see slavery abolished in Britain. You know, someone needs your words. Someone needs your letter. Someone needs your prayers. Someone needs your support. Someone needs mine. Being a champion for others 
It's a spirit that we start to adopt. It's a spirit of love. It's a spirit of belief in others. It's an ability to spur others around us on a bit further. And it's not just for us here at church, you know, it's for everybody. It's for those outside of the four walls as well. You know, as we heard so brilliantly last week, each one of you is placed by God where you are right now. And it's not what you do, it's how you do it and who you do it for. And I want to add to that and what you do for the people around you. Just imagine if we started doing this for our neighbors, for our friends, for our coworkers. If we started to really believe in them and, and you know, encourage them, champion them, try and bring out the best in them, support them. What a witness that would be. I reckon people would be pretty asking some questions like, man, is this how you are for everybody? I think that would be an incredible tone to take into the workforce with you. Imagine if we could do that here at church. If we were all just supporting one another, championing one another, winning, like who wouldn't want to be a part of such a place? Now, I know that it's not that easy. It's not actually that straightforward because it's actually quite hard to put others ahead of yourself. It is hard to die to the me in in each of us. Um, But honestly, as we begin to take this on board, as we begin to step into this, we will never be more satisfied and more fulfilled because there's something about championing others, about doing something for others that just blesses us so much. Ultimately, the point is to be like Jesus. As he champions us, let us champion others. Being a champion for someone else is it's kind of a step further than just encouragement. It's intentionally speaking into them what they need to hear. Or maybe it's um, just you know, giving them that push to go a little bit further. It might be providing an opportunity for them that you think they're going to shine in. Could be praying for them. Whatever it is, as we commit to championing others, God will show us and he'll direct us and and he'll help us along the way. But I wanted to finish just on a practical note and give you a couple of ideas of how we can each start to champion others. And I'm sure you all do it to a measure, but I reckon we can take it to the next level and see God really work in people around us. So the first thing is choose someone to champion. Now, there are two categories that we can choose from. There's our family, and then there are our friends, our neighbors, our workmates, people outside of our family. The harder choice is family, because they're the ones that are with us all the time, and they're the ones that, um, you know, let's face it, they annoy us, they rub us up the wrong way, they, you know, they do, they, they disappoint us, they hurt us, but these are the people that God has placed directly in front of us, and If we could be champions for our family, for our husbands and our wives, for our kids, I think that would make a huge difference in their lives and in our lives. I mean, I'm challenged in this area because I see it in myself. You know, when I speak um, positively to my kids, when I believe in them, when I help them get to that next stage, I can see them rise up to it. But unfortunately, I can see the opposite as well. You know, when I'm negative, when I don't really think they can do it, I see them shrivel. I see them just come a little lower. But if we can champion them, and I know what it's like because my parents have championed me Honestly, we set them up for a fantastic future. We set them up to win, and they will win. If we can do it in our marriages, I think it'll be great. 
Um, you know, and then the other group, and oh, by the way, it's not to say you turn a blind eye to everything. Um, you know, obviously there are always things that we need to address and, um, you know, pull our kids up on or whatever. This is not about just everyone's perfect. It's, it's about that fundamental belief that, that each person is called by God and they can do amazing things and we give them that expression of that belief. The other group of people, of course, are, are those in our lives, a friend, a, fam, um, a workmate, a colleague, uh, your neighbor, whoever might come across you. And really, you just have to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in that area. Who is someone that you could champion in an area? And the great thing about that is it can be short term. You know, it can just be for one particular thing or a season in their life. Um, it can be quite an easy investment. It doesn't have to cost a lot. But so those are the two different groups. So um, we just need to choose who we're going to champion. Start with our family and choose someone else. Everyone needs someone to draw something out of them. Everyone needs someone to draw something out of them. So choose someone to champion. Number two, see people as a 10. I love this one. John Maxwell calls this the number 10 principle. If we all have a scale of one to 10, right, 10 being the best, we see everybody as a 10. As we believe the best in others, we will bring out their best. Just think about the people that have made a difference in your life. A boss who believed in you, um, a friend who supported you and encouraged you, a leader who gave you those key words at key times, um, maybe your spouse who chose you, whoever it might be. We all have those people in our lives that saw us as a 10 and that helped bring out the best in us. Let's pay it forward and do it for others. Champion them by seeing them as a 10, not in blind ignorance, but genuine belief in others with wisdom. But as we see people as a 10, it will change them and it will change us as well. God sees each one of us as a 10. Let's do the same for others. Number three, pray for those that you are championing regularly. This is a real easy one. But you know, anyone that we choose to be a champion for, and hopefully it's a bunch of people, let's get into a habit of praying for them regularly, of praying for them daily, especially if they're our family, and that will make a massive difference as well. And also it enlarges our heart for them. You know, whatever you pray about, generally your heart enlarges for that thing. James 5, 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Number four, I better motor. Um, ask God for divine inspiration on how to be a champion for others. You know, as we ask the Holy Spirit, He's going to give us those God ideas, those God thoughts, those God moments that are going to impact and potentially change another person's life. And lastly, just do what you can, big or small. You know, we don't have to be like Dick Hoyt who gave his life for his son to champion him. You can be a John Wesley to a Wilberforce. You can be like my dad was to me. Anything that we do, big or small, can have huge impact on the people around. If I could have the band to come, that'd be great. You know, it's a, it, this can be a big investment or it can be a small investment, but the key is just to start just to start. You know, whatever we have, whatever we feel that we can give, let's make a start and give something to someone else. And in believing in people, encouraging them, drawing out what they can't get out on their own, seeing them as a 10, what a gift that is that we can give to others. Let's never forget who our champion is and believe what he says about each one of us. And let's champion others as well. Would you all stand?